right, so we finally here. The playoffs have begun. If you're a person like myself, I count the play-in as the playoffs. That's just me, though, because that's how it should be. Every other, I mean, every other national, every other major sport that has a wild card goes and counts as a playoff. So that's all I want to say. That. Yeah, I count it too. They literally were <laughs> saying the other day though how it is separate. The stats are separate. It's in its own little box yeah. or whatever. But it should be a part. It's of playoff that. basketball, baby. Oh, oh, yeah, facts. Playoff basketball, which we have. But before we get into playoff basketball. We're about an hour away from the eighth, you know, for the eighth seed game, so we're not going to really get into it, but we'll like to say, you know, Lakers won for the seventh seed in the West, Hawks won for the seventh seed in the East. I don't know if that means anything because as of yet, as in the playing tournament, no playing team has won a series yet. That doesn't mean it can't happen this year. It ain't going to happen. That's all I'm saying. And then, of course, tonight, <clears throat> excuse me, we have Raptors versus Heat. No, excuse me, not Raptors. We have Chicago. We have the Chicago Bulls versus Miami Heat for the A seed in the East, and we have the Pelicans and uh, Minnesota. No, excuse me, not the Pelicans. They lost, but we have the Thunder and the Minnesota Timberwolves for the ninth seed in the. In, I mean, for the A seed in the West. Like I said, we don't really super have to get into a preview for them games because when y'all hear this, those games will be played and the playoff seedings will be straight. But for the Bulls and the Miami Heat. Minnesota Thunder, what do each of those teams need to do to secure AC? And for a team like OKC or Minnesota, how important is it for them to make the playoffs when they have these young, talented players that they do like Shea Gilders for OKC and uh, with Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards? Right. Uh, I think it's more important for Minnesota. Because you don't want to feel like you're going backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you made the playoffs last year. Uh, you want to be in again this year. <laughs> right now. And especially, like, kind of gave away the that game against the Lakers. Away. You got to feel like you gave that away. So, I definitely think it's more important. It's, I wouldn't even say it's more important. I, w- I would just say with Minnesota, we're going to be looking at them differently. But I also think it's important for the Thunder because you know how I am on, uh, you know, trying to compete. Doesn't mean trying to win the championship, but trying to compete. You got this young team. You already have a top pick who you who you got in the cut, waiting for next year and chip. Plus all these draft picks. Well, I think I already got like 15 over the next three years. I'm not a – I don't care about that like everybody else, but I do understand how – I understand you can, the importance of you can, them, right? Yeah, you can trade that for someone or draft pieces to help your team. So I understand the importance, but at the same time, draft picks ain't winning no games. But that's another discussion for another day. Right. But I think it is important for the development of Shade, like to keep him around. Like, yeah, we've been, you know, rebuilding, but you know, we are going in the right direction. Because Shade's made the playoffs with right. OKC. Um, what they each need to do, OKC, you've been led by Shea all year, so big game from Shea. I think it's on the way. I wouldn't be surprised if he dropped 40, 30 at least, though. And then you know, just the the uh, others to help too. I'm. I've always kind of liked Josh Giddy's game, but I think I kind of really like his game now. It's so – I understand what he brings to, this, to the table. Yeah. Simple game, not flashy at all. I bet you no one likes to watch him play. No disrespect to him, I like to watch him play. But, like, I saw this on – I believe it was probably on TikTok, <laughs> funny enough. And they were talking about, like, he don't hit you with no crossovers. He's not going between the legs. He's literally just – I'm going to go to this spot. I'm going to dribble there. <laughs> You're not going to stop me type of game. And it's really interesting to see how he can maneuver himself around 
the court. So I've, I'm a big fan of Josh Giddey's game. All those Australian players play the same to me, except Patty Mills because he's so small and quick. But like Ben Simmons, other than the shooting, they they do though. Not, they, not other than no. Joe Ingles being a shooter, how Joe Ingles, Ben Simmons, yeah, all, Josh Giddy, even Dante Exum, Dante yeah. Exum probably got some of the speed that Curry Mills had. Yeah, Kyrie and Patty Mills are only different ones. Yeah, Kyrie don't count though. This girl <laughs> from the states, but yeah, but um, uh, but you also want to get contributions from uh, Dort. You want the you know the Jalen and Jalen right. to hoop. Um, and then for Minnesota, I don't think Ant-Man's getting enough credit. Maybe I just haven't noticed it. Maybe he is, and I just haven't noticed it. I don't think he's getting enough credit for the defense he's played. I know he had a tough game offensively that last game. Um, he could have moved the ball quicker, just made quicker decisions. Obviously, he had a bad shooting game. But he's he's been tr- taking up the challenge defensively for a minute now, and I expect him to play better uh, this game. You need a good game out of Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not sure. Is Rudy Gobert playing? He should. He just spent four. Um, so, what what I found interesting about the last game, though, what they need to Anthony Edwards is not try to just have him win the game. Um, because I know a lot of people see him, and what I mean by that, I know a lot of people see him doing certain possessions, but if you watch the game, they were kind of taking away the pick and roll, so they kind of stopped sending him picks and just kind of made him play in isolation. And if you're having a tough shooting game, you know, get him in some pick and rolls going downhill, getting to the basket. I think that could be better. But if you're just telling him to go ISO, that's what y'all are running. As a young player, you're going to try and shoot your way out of it. Mm-hmm. He has to be in the mindset to get to the basket because nobody is stopping him from getting to the basket. Um, but I think having Gobert hit. He played, you just know, think about this season, he's played so much with Rudy Gobert. He's kind of been his pick and roll partner a lot of this year more than Carl Anthony Towns is. So he kind of may actually benefit from having Gobert on the court more so than people may think. Um, so, but I, I don't think at, at Man's Real Atlanta and we show up, he's not having two bad games in a row. And if anything, he's gonna show up defensively and I think people should notice that. No, sure. And with that being said, I'm John W. It's fresh X. This is the Hoopers pod. Like I said, Minnesota will be in a, don't wanna put themselves in a weird situation to where they don't make the playoffs. Because, of course, everybody's gonna analyze the Rudy Gobert trade. It's already been called, you know, the worst trade history. God damn. I mean, and what they call I ain't that, calling it the worst right in the NBA. Well, that's well, a good, But no, I know you're, but that is out there. Yeah. I'm just but, thinking that's a little extreme. Like I said, we can also, we're also going to do an end of the year show at some point, probably get some guests on. But I just want to speak on this real quick before we do get to our playoff previews. The Rudy Gobert trade, everybody looked at it as a bad trade because of, you know, they gave up a ton of draft picks. It's cool, I get that. Like he did, I guess you could say he did mess up the market as far as trades go. Like say Michael Bridges, they got off for four draft picks, four first rounds, but the DeJounte Murray went for three. Donovan Mitchell went for what, three, four. So when you hear all that, it's like, oh yeah, that's terrible. Like, yeah, he wasn't worth all that. It's not that it was just the six picks, it's that Minnesota, I feel like Minnesota tried to skip a process. Like they traded, I'm not saying that the team was elite, but they traded elite depth over-the-top talent, and I don't think they was ready for over-the-top talent because they didn't hadn't proved if that elite, if that depth was really a thing or was it just a one-hit wonder type year thing. Right. So that's what makes it a bad trade, in my opinion, not just a six draft picks because at the end of the day, Rudy Gobert is a three-time defensive player of the year. Multiple-time all-star, NBA. Like, that's, it's, maybe he probably shouldn't have went for that. 
But when you're not trading any all say, say you ain't trading no significant player. What player he got, traded for, he got traded for Malik Beasley, yeah. Patrick Beverly, yeah. Vando. All these players have been traded. Yeah. Release. Yeah. Since. And then of course, like I say, six draft pick, one of them end up being um Kessler for uh, Utah. But it's like he didn't the get guy who messed up Paolo's unanimous rookie of the year. Yeah. But there <laughs> They, he didn't get traded for another all-star, so you had to overcompensate. Not overcompensate, but you had to compensate them fairly for that. Yeah, you and that was like, you could, what, they were supposed to give them, like, three draft, three first-round picks, because I think one of them is a, is a switch anyway, and then Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley, and Vando. That's not, that's you don't make that, you're not getting that. Like, they had to do that because that's what you were trading for. You know, Everybody sees, oh, you're trying for Rudy Gobert. No, you trade him for what his resume is, realistically. And his resume is like, you can't really be mad. That that's what the trade was. Like I said, he went for over-the-top talent, and they weren't ready for over-the-top talent because the coach hadn't proved if he could even handle that type of thing yet where they were starting to get good and bubbling. Then it's like, all right, what's the next step? They didn't even t- they took us, they tried to take two steps before they took the next one. But on the playoff basketball, like I say, we got games starting tomorrow. There's a lot of these games that should be really interesting. Of course, we got the um, that 76ers at one. That's the first game. We got Hawks and Celtics. That's the second game at 3:30. Knicks Cavaliers at six, which I think is not probably gonna be one of the better series in the playoffs this year. And then in the tomorrow, we got the Warriors and Kings at 8:30. Do you think any of the? I don't. Think, I don't consider the Knicks the Knicks an underdog. I think that series could go either way. But I do have Cleveland. But out of the Hawks, the Nets, and I feel like everybody's picking Golden State. So for that, I'm gonna call Sacramento the underdog. But I don't think I actually. But I got Sacramento winning that series. Do you think any of these teams have a chance to get a game one upset on the road? Yeah, I can see. Uh, I mean, I can see them all winning. Honestly, just like winning the game. But I think realistically, who I think will win, I can see the Nets still in the game. Still in the first game, and um, definitely you you have to think about the Warriors because Steph could just go crazy. But I think Sacramento is going to come out with the intention to show that they're not that team. Right. You know what I mean? That it wasn't just a regular season. I, I do get a Warriors strong chance of win. They won three three of the four games I believe this year. Two. Yeah, I think they won the series this year, three to one against Sacramento. So, but. We'll see how that one goes. Like I can see, you know, Trey going off for a big game, um, or, or whatever. But in the last, like I think he's played Celtics twenty five times. I think he's averaged like twenty seven, seven and six or something like that. Right. So you can see him going off for a, a big game in that game. But I see the Celtics kind of. The Celtics are trying to get back to the final. So this series, I see them taking care of the Hawks. The next Cleveland series is going to be interesting because it can go either way. Right. I think Cleveland wins in six, maybe five. Mm. Um, I think Cleveland more than likely wins the first two at home and then the Knicks yeah. get a game or two at home and it goes from there. Right. But the main team I see that could get the steal is, is Brooklyn just because Mikael Bridges is going to be motivated to have a big game. Right. It's not that far of a trip for them. Um, familiar team, and then just a young energy, you know, trying to steal one of those games. But Philly, I also believe, should come in focused. 
not playing games with the Nets. Joel should average 40 this series because Nick Claxton can't do nothing with him. So a minimum, his average of 33 should stand. Um, but I give the Nets the biggest – well, I give the Warriors the biggest chance to steal the game just because Steph Curry. Right, right. But uh, <laughs> the Nets is one to watch also. No, yeah, I I, I kind of agree with that because I feel like the Nets have one of those teams where we know they're not going to win the series, but at least two of those games is going to be like – I feel like they win that game and only that game. Cause like, shake Philly up, come back and win, yeah, then Philly right. destroy them four straight games. I can see that, but like you say, the Hawks Celtics is. I, feel I think like the Hawks gonna sweep. The Hawks should get swept. I got that. The Hawks should get swept. That's nasty work, but I feel. Swept. I feel. I feel like I don't know. I feel like once the, of course I've got Boston the first two games. They wouldn't even the higher seed and they play in game. They should get swept. They should get swept. Yeah, I ain't saying they will. Uh, yeah, I, I think they will. I but see, they should. I can see Boston win that game five because I feel like once we get once they get back to Atlanta, the Hawks will have a little home court pride and be able to win one. Like I said, I got Sacramento in that series. I got Sacramento in six. I feel like if Golden State is gonna steal one, it probably will be game one because Steph, not that Sacramento won't be ready, but I feel like just as a player himself, Steph will probably be more ready and more prepared than everybody else on the court. I know Draymond like been talking, you know, Draymond's one of those people that has playoffs, so I'm going to lock in. Like, I, don't, I don't feel like you're going to be able to just lock in because of the playoffs when you're going against a bonus who isn't a slouch offensively or defensively on the board. So I feel like a player like Sabonis might be – we'll see. But I feel like he might be more trouble for Draymond. Draymond can – he want to admit. Yeah, because he could do – he didn't do well against Joker. I, I think that narrative should go away. He had was, key, he had key moments. That man averaged twenty seven points. It was, it go was, back and look at the numbers. No, he had key them, moments. It was them being able to put him in pick and roll, him not being able to go the steal and stuff. But him not being you got more of an angle as far as like quickness on Joker. Sabonis, you know what I mean? He's he's taller than you, but he's he's strong, but he's still slim. He can move. He can handle the ball. Yeah, I feel like. The undersized player has an advantage over the bigger center because you can use your speed. Is Draymond really quicker than Sabonis? Maybe. But is he? Yeah, probably not. Draymond is, you know, a, a really good defender, though, so he'll figure it out. Actually, I'm picking Steph in that series. That's the only reason why I'm picking the Warriors to win. I think I got them winning in six because of Steph. Um, I don't think they make it past the second round. I said – they're gonna have to give some time for Gary Payton the second, and he's played. Uh, he played some of the last few games because they're gonna need somebody to guard Darren Fox. Is, and Darren Fox. Wiggins is also back. Yeah, Wiggins is back. I saw him say he's gonna come off the bench 20, 25 minutes a game. That's gonna be tough because when's the last time Wiggins played? So to immediately get thrown into the playoffs, right? That's gonna be a tough situation. But to have his athleticism and potential defense, I think, can help them out. Uh, sure. But yeah, I think the Warriors have a good chance to win that series, but I, I'm hoping the Kings win it. I wouldn't be surprised if the Kings win it, but I'm not betting against Steph, so I'm going to give them the Warriors six games. Like I said, the Cleveland, and the Cleveland and the Knicks is probably the most interesting first-round series in the East of me because I feel like it could go either way. And I also feel like this is a chance for Darius Garland to really break out. Got eliminated in the play-in last year, of course, but I feel like Cleveland front office did, you know, bringing in Donovan Mitchell brought another player that can, you know, take some of that ease off of Darius Garland, so Darius Garland will be able to play. And Jaylen, shout out to Jalen Brunson, because Brunson's going to be a tough defensive matchup for him as well. Like, they're going to go back and forth. They have to guard each other. 
But I feel like Garland is one of those. His play style is kind of made for the playoffs where it is going to be some slower possessions. Say it's going to be some isos, some pick and rolls. You're going to be playing him off the ball as a shooter. And I think the interior of – I think, like I say, teams are about as evenly matched as you can get. I think the Knicks bench is a little better because I feel like their bench is a little more consistent and gives them a little more than Cleveland's does. But I feel like Julius Randle, who's also coming off an injury, I don't know if he's going to be clear. He's supposed to be cleared to play, but he hasn't been cleared yet. I think Evan Mobley and Jared Allen is going to give him and Mitch and Obi Toppin some troubles down low because they're so good defensively and offensively, especially the way they pass the ball to each other and the way they both protect the rim and rebound. I think the Knicks' best chance is RJ got to get hot. And this is not me saying, this not, I'm not finna, you know, this is not me down on RJ. But I feel like this is going to be a series where RJ is probably going to be, if not the first, this, this is going to be one of the more important players on the team because I don't feel like Cleveland really has a matchup for him. I know Cleveland has a plethora of wings who can come out and play defense, which is, you know, Okoro, uh, Stevenson. Those guys are really good defensively. But I feel like this is a series where RJ has to show, like, all right, Got the contract, number three pick. Still young, but where do you fit in this big three that should be you, Randall, and Brunson? And I feel like that's what will make the series. If RJ plays well, I feel like that's what gets Knicks, the Knicks a series win. If RJ is just kind of average, we we asking how we asking if RJ is on the court in the fourth quarter, I don't think the Knicks have – not that they don't have a chance, but it's going to be harder for them to win because they're going to need a third score, whereas – Cleveland has a reliable third scorer and Evan Mobley, and then Jared Allen as a person who you as a consistent offensive threat off the live or even just off a of one dribble post up. So RJ is going to have to be big in the series. Mitchell Robinson as well as a rail protector, helping Julius Randle with the with the decide, uh, assignments of Evan Mobley and um, Jared Allen. It's interesting the Knicks end up playing Cleveland after all of the Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell stuff over the summer. Now you can see if you really miss something. <laughs> no, nah, that's facts. That's crazy. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like, but this one should be good one overall. I agree, though. They're going to need, because I think we, I think Randall's going to play pretty well, even though he's going to have a tough matchup with Evan Mobley. Uh, I think Evan Mobley's going to get that matchup, so that's going to be tough because he has the length pause to, you know, Judas is going to pull up for those mid-range jump shots, and he's probably one of the few people in the league that can really defend that. Um Jalen Bronson versus Darius Garland is going to be an exciting matchup. I think some big numbers from both of those guys. I agree with the RJ point. You needed some RJ showing um, in this series because I feel like even if not offensively, because Drew's running out of the average 25 points, I'm not going to put Evan Mobley's offensive game with his game, especially at this point in his career. But they kind of cancel each other out to me because of what Mobley's going to bring defensively, rebounding, plus giving you 14 to 20 points on a random night. Garland and um, Bronson, I feel like, cancel each other out. They're going to kind of do similar numbers, in my opinion. Both can go off of 30, more likely 20 and 8 guys throughout the series. We know Spider's going to give you 30. So where is that other... You know what I mean? Numbers coming from. And Julius Randle's points, obviously, is going to help yeah, with that. But you're just going to need a showing from RJ, whether it's shooting a consistent percentage over the series, making big shots, getting a good 
big, you know, defense because he still has the tools to even make a difference defensively. And I also think you need somebody Quinn Grimes. People like Quinn Grimes way more than I do. I get his value as a defender. I just don't think he provides much on offense. He goes off every once in a while and have a pretty good game, but I don't really, you know, he doesn't move me offensively. But Manuel quickly has. I think he took a solid jump this year. I think a lot of people like him for six man of the year, if not the winner, at least a finalist. Um, so I think him playing well is going to be important, and you know, getting making sure Mitch kind of doesn't let Jared Allen control, own the paint. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a good matchup. It's a lot of solid matchups east and west. I'm m- most interested in the four or five matchup on in, the east and in the west, the west yeah. especially the west yeah. in particular. Um, I wish Paul George was playing. No, we're not right. talking about them yet. But I wish Paul George was playing because I feel like if he was playing, that could be like one of the best first round series of all time. <laughs> Paul George, Kawhi, uh, KD, Devin Booker, plus all Chris of the Paul, others. Hey, no, yeah, it's a lot going on in this series. Yeah, that would that, be nice. But I got Cleveland winning that series. I wouldn't be surprised. Like I could see, I could see a vision where the Knicks win, hmm. but. I just don't think they're gonna have enough of Donovan Miller. Donovan's average like forty in the series before. I asked earlier, has he? He's made it out the first round more than once, right? Yeah, he's, he's been out he twice, been right? right? He hasn't, been but he hasn't made a conference finals. Right. But I was just trying to confirm that he's made it out of the first round yeah. more than once, because uh, I know he made it out his rookie year when they beat the OKC team with Melo and PG and Russ, and yeah, then they would have made it out the year when they had the best record in the league. They yeah. lost in the second round, so yeah, he's he's been out. So. I think the East is gonna give him a good opportunity to uh, definitely get out the first round again. I would say I could see a scenario where this series goes seven, and I can also see where Cleveland can win in five. So I'm gonna pick Cleveland in six. <laughs> no, I feel that. I, I, like I say, I, I can also see the Knicks winning in six, six to yeah, seven. Absolutely. But if it ends quick. It's because Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, if it's four or five, Cleveland. And that's no disrespect to the Knicks. I just feel like that, that's just Donovan Mitchell going yeah, crazy. That's first, and four, right? First and foremost, and who's going to be a like you said, you listen all the matchups and how they can cancel each other out. But who is really going to cancel out Donovan Mitchell for the Knicks? Which right. is a, which I think is an honest question. Before we do go to the Western Conference side of the playoffs, I don't know if you've seen um, CJ McCollum comments um, after the game the other night about him trying to play. Yeah, Showing play, up uh, no matter what yeah, it right. be. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. So, of course, um, I don't know if you saw, but the team did clear Zion to play. But his personal team, whoever that may consist of, um, you know, they held him out. When you hear those comments from CJ, I'm not saying CJ were putting them directly at a shot. As a shot to Zion, I know a lot of people right. will. But when you hear those comments and you think about, like, say, him, the team clearing them, but, his, but Zion's personal team, you're not – Clearing them. Of course, everybody's already starting the trade rumors up again, even though last year he said he wants to be there, which is why he went ahead and signed an extension. I seen the contingency of Hawks fans saying that's where. Trade rumors for what? That He the only one not showing his bargain right now. They getting better. <laughs> they made a big trade, drafting well. There's no reason to want to ask for a trade from there. So Hey, I, this is, I, like I said, I seen some Hawks, clearly some Hawks fans saying that's where he wanted to be in the first place. And Because he touched the thing during the draft night, I guess, the podium with the Hawks symbol on, symbol on it or whatever. Close to home. Hey, we, Zion, Jalen Brown, Anthony Edwards, we got, I got a trade for all three of them. But when you hear that, of course, I'm not going. I'm not going to ask you if you think that they're 
know about. I'm not gonna ask you about any trades. You know, the trade talk. I think it's still, yeah. You know, I, I don't yeah. see. But I don't see that at all. Do you think that because they not been they haven't been bad. They getting better. But, yeah. but do you think this is something that kind of could kind of start throwing? I guess a curveball in plan in the plans or whatever plans New Orleans has for this team because I don't think I think they like this team as a whole. Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, uh, Trey Murphy, Zion, Jackson Hayes, wherever he may fit in that. Young, uh, Jonas Valanciunas, CJ as an elder statement on the team. Alvarado, who also didn't play last night, so I don't think like maybe was that a shot at Alvarado? Like I'm not saying it was, but. Zion wasn't the only person that didn't play in the playing game. I say this, a few things. CJ, as the president of Basketball Association, I don't think he was directly sending a shot at Zion, but it definitely was a message, and he needed answers to that too, because as the vet and the OG on that team, he can't be talking through the media like that. First period. So even if it wasn't a direct shot, you you know how the media work. You have to acknowledge that it looked like a shot, and you gotta you, he got to acknowledge that to Zion, in my opinion. Especially because remember, well, first I, I wouldn't trust him as a leader after that. I especially remember it started off with the whole he hadn't seen Zion yet when he first got right, there and so all that. So I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't trust him as a leader after that. And man, this is one of them times where you gotta, even though you might think it's petty, and man, I, I don't gotta explain myself. I think this one time you gotta explain yourself and say I wasn't doing that to Zion or just go talk to Zion. Two, I hate when teams clear players in these positions, unless the player has let, let it be known that they want to play and you're clearing them to let it know that they're clear to play, the man ain't played in months. Even if he, you are clearing him to play, I kind of get his point of like, I don't want to just be thrown out there and playing and it's a high stakes game. I ain't played since January. It's kind of not fair. And if you're healthy, so I, I salute the players that say I am going to play that say, I, I know I'm not gonna mess up the rhythm. If I'm playing bad, take me out. I salute that too. But if you, when you have those touchy injuries or just not wanting to mess up the rhythm or want to catch your own rhythm trying to get in shape, I just think it's not fair. Even if he is clear and been working out and you have cleared him, y'all should have cleared him a month ago or you should have, y'all ain't been saying nothing. You don't even gotta shut him down. I just wouldn't have said nothing. And then if they win and you make it to the playoffs, now we having a different conversation. But to clear him in a, Win or go home game, I don't think it's fair. I don't think that was cool, honestly. Uh, and I don't, maybe maybe I'm overthinking it <laughs> like that. But I've, I've seen teams, not obviously it's playing this new, so not even necessarily in this situation, but I never even liked it when they cleared a player in April. You going to the playoffs and I ain't played all year, now you clear me. Um, now if I don't play, I'm paranoid and stuff like that. And maybe I am paranoid. Almost like the Derrick Rose thing. Yeah, I, I read but he got this. cleared in like April. It's nah, like yeah. the season over. Like, like I was reading a story about Hakeem, uh, shout out to Usher on Twitter, I was, he put up something about Hakeem, like he had to wear glasses in the 1990 season. And you know, he was averaging like 25 before he got hurt, he come back. He had 18, they was kind of losing when he was there, and then they started winning. His numbers were down because they had been spreading the ball around. Kenny Smith, Bernie Maxwell, all the stuff, all of them had been emerging. So basically they was like, you know, people in Houston had been saying, like, maybe we should trade Hakeem. Hakeem whole thing was, if y'all want to trade me, that's fine with me because I know I can get more money. So that's what y'all want. I'm cool with it. But, you know, he came off the bench and said he would come off the bench because he seen how well they was playing. I know this ain't relevant enough, but I just thought it's kind of the same thing. Like, right. yeah, if Zion comes back, y'all was going to start him. And, like, even the minutes that he <laughs> played, so it just didn't make no sense. But I understand, like, I do think if players, if, if 
I guess if y'all already planning or scheduling or this is the date we got in mind for him to play, um, this is the real possibility for him to play. But last time they put something out about Zion, he had a setback. And now all of a sudden he's cleared? Like, it don't it don't make sense. And I, 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 don't think it's a, I don't think that's a good look, honestly. Um, but I think CJ in the end, CJ got to address his comments. I don't think Zion is looking for a trade because even though they did fall off a cliff without him, it was also because he was also carrying the team without Brandon Ingram. And when he got hurt, Ingram still wasn't there either. So, uh, you know, you got to take that into account. Um, you got to salute Ingram in the season that he had once he came in. Like, he missed the most games of his career this year also. So, everything I was just go back to my main point that I said since day one about Zion, you got to maximize – you have to, and you saw that this year with how the regular season success, but you got to be successful in the regular season first. You saw how successful y'all were top two in the West when you had them, and Brandon Ingram was out for a good stretch of that. So it's like, these are one of those teams where you don't make any trade, but I feel like, and the CJ is one of those trades, but I be trying to see if I can trade CJ back and get Dame. You like <laughs> this is where you make an all-in type of move and like try to really <laughs> try to really go like Dame, Dame, Dame in New Orleans. You know Dame Zion and uh, and Brandon yeah, Ingram. You know maybe maybe we we talking about something. But I'm glad you brought up Dame. <laughs> I'm though. glad you brought up Dame. Uh, of course, I know you say a statement about you know him not wanting to be a part of the rebuilding process. Yeah. And Portland, you know that's what they're gonna do. They need to have a conversation about that. When you hear that, and when the first thing I thought about when I heard that, uh, shout out to Zach Ramey from the Z Pod. He's uh, he had a tweet about that. How they not necessarily asking for a trade, but he is putting the team on notice. Kind of like this is not what I really this is not what I want to do at this stage of my career. First thing I thought about was Iverson when um, he got traded to Denver, and it was oh he wanted to be traded. He asked out. But then Iverson came out and said, no, nah, I just said y'all need to improve the team. Like, I didn't want to go. Like, I just said y'all need to help improve the team around me. Like, it wasn't necessarily a trade or, you know, like improve the team where I'm done thing. Dame has never said anything about being traded. I'm not insinuating that he's asking for a trade or this is the beginning steps of him asking for a trade or asking him to want out. But when you hear this statement from Dame, do you feel like – that they, this, they both played, I know we both said that it's on both of them, but do you feel like this statement is kind of like, not the boiling point, but the period of this is what y'all have, this is the corner y'all both have backed yourself into over the past three seasons, honestly, past three, four seasons, honestly. Because right. first you start with CJ, the CJ trade, where it's like, not even the CJ trade. Shout out to Mo Harkless, Al Farouk. They were serviceable players with him. I don't necessarily like either one of them. I like Al Farouk. Metro Atlanta. But, you know, they made the playoffs, got to the Western Conference with them. Then they, you know, they weren't provi- – they didn't provide them enough offense, but they were good defensively. They were able to make some shots every now and then occasionally in the regular season, not necessarily the playoffs. So you trade those two players and go more offensive. I don't even remember who they got for them two. I don't even remember who they traded them for. But you get rid of them, you go more offensive. You kind of take a step back with Dane, kind of being in and out of the lineup. CJ not necessarily – then it's no this is CJ, but CJ wasn't necessarily able to hurt. He got hurt every year. That is where he was, and he was never game. necessarily able to take them, keep them steady while Dane was out either for whatever reason. Like, it's the first year I can remember CJ not being hurt. But then, you know, a few years later, y'all haven't made the playoffs. Y'all draft, y'all have a chance to draft Anthony Simons. Y'all do that. 
y'all apparently y'all see something that y'all like in them while Dame and CJ is both missing some times. Y'all trade CJ, cool, we're going with Anthony Simons. That's kind of that's kind of part one, part two of a rebuild, honestly, from the outside looking in. We're gonna trade our second best player for a player who we're hoping can be as good as him and play that same play style. You fire a decent head. Honestly, I don't think it was. I think Anthony showed that he provided the same production as CJ. So you think if if Dave is healthy, then I, okay, I get that. Because I mean, when I, I don't remember CJ averaging twenty five. No, that's good. I get that. That's good. I get that. And that's why they were successful at the beginning of the year. Yeah. But I think Dave put out his statement in the end too, because at the end of the day, nobody knows the conversations that they have. And it's okay to have healthy conversations. I also think some stuff gets so overblown because I think people think it's just easy to make the playoffs every year. Portland has obviously had their they're more downs the last couple of years, but when you go 10 years of being in the playoffs, playing in high stakes games, advancing in the playoffs, even if it's not to the finals or the conference finals, but advancing, all of that matters, especially when you think of the hope that you can continue to get better. But I think, like you said, it's not asking for a trade, but I think it's helping them both to say, hey, I'm not really trying to go through a rebuild. See what y'all can do the first month or so of the offseason, and if we not looking like contenders. Y'all get trade me, and especially t- players are more open to being traded at the beginning of the training camp now. So that's season ends, say June, whatever. We going to the draft at the end of June. See what pick you got. See who you draft. See what free agency look like in July. If it's not looking like attention, you trade them in September. When you get ready for training camp, he gets to train with his new team, and you go into a full season that way. Because you're not going to trade them now for no draft pick unless you trade them on draft night, more than likely. Right. And you're not trading them on draft night unless you're getting the number one, two, or three pick. So, you know, that's more likely not happening. But I think saying, you know, I don't want to go through a rebuild is letting them know, like, yeah, I don't want to rebuild. Let's go through this draft season. Let's go through the free agency. That will let you go through summer league to see what the persons you drafted look like. See who we add or can trade for. And if it's not looking like we're going nowhere, beginning of September, when the players are starting to meet up and work out, trade me. And I, th- I think that's what more likely ends up happening unless they add to the team because I think they can see what they're going to do about Jeremy uh, Grant's um, his deal. Like I said, who, who do we draft, what trade pieces they, they may get, and then they go from there. But... It just get overblown because the famous quote of Dame saying that them boys running in front of the grind because yeah, at the end of the day, I don't care if y'all want to say Dame is because he ain't this whole, this is just funny, this narrative is he ain't expected to do nothing every year. It's like, it's just really fascinating how this stuff just comes, but it's the truth. Them boys are asking for trades every year. Like, it is what it is. I don't, I'm not mad at Dame for wanted to maximize his situation into the worst possible. Like, I, I remember KG not wanting to be traded. Even at the end, down to the point of they had to get Ray Allen first, and then he said, all right, trade me there. Go ahead and go ahead and make it happen. And then the situation fell through with the Lakers. Then he, he accepted it. When you – I don't think people just understand how much making the playoffs at least mean because some teams don't even care about making the playoffs, so your team is trying to make the playoffs. Not making the playoffs – making the playoffs and losing is coming – to me, is coming up short 
opposed to y'all just terrible and redo it. Like, we, we came up short, especially when you advanced it. Like, it's not like they was getting, yeah, they got swept once. They lost in the first round a few times. They typically was advancing to at least the second round. So, but I think in the end, if they don't put some type of, you know, I don't know what the title contender moves are this summer, but if they don't make title contender moves, it's a few players I think that, that you know, you look at just, you know, Pascal, uh, you know, look at the temperature on that. Maybe Bradley Bill, look at the temperature on that. Um, it was somebody else I had in mind earlier, but I can't think of them right now. But I think the hottest name will be Pascal, um, especially with Toronto not making the playoffs. He just made 25. He just averaged 25. He was an all-star. He was also a starter, replacement starter. Probably going to be All-NBA. How is he really feeling in Toronto? How is Toronto feeling? So, if I'm Portland, I'm looking at that. Especially because we I mean, we talked about how the Jeremy Grant thing has worked. So, Pascal may fit there and they give them some size or whatever. No, for sure. No, yeah, I definitely give what that you mean. Like, I definitely think of Pascal as a name that you look at all. So, even, you know, just because, like, it's going to have to be somebody with size. I don't know necessarily about Bradley Bill because of Anthony Simons, but they definitely should be like I say, just like I say, just have keep having the conversation, have an honest conversation. Once you get through off season, free agency drafts, y'all see what y'all look like. If y'all can't make those moves, that'd be like y'all. That's what step y'all taking. Yeah, I agree with you. Like that's when we come to the trade because it's like you know everybody not gonna be able to make those moves, and I don't think there's I don't think Portland is one move away from a championship. I don't even think they're two moves from from the championship. I think they're a move away from being a good second round team, maybe. But I don't think they win the championship next year, regardless of who they trade for. But that also doesn't mean they have to go into full rebuild either. I think you, I think it's some. I think there's all. If you got Dane, there's moves to be made. I don't think it's one. But move, it's though, like yeah, it's not one move, but it, it is a move of getting Pascal and then making another. Just because I, I named Pascal because he's the only. All NBA or that I could see in a disgruntled situation this summer, other than Dame, if you want to call Dame's situation disgruntled. Right, sure. But maybe if you could do something to get them, and if you don't give up so many assets, figure you, you figure out your. Because you still got to do it with solid role players. You still got to have shooting. You still got to have rebounding. You still got to have those guys that are going to defend. You got to have the guys that are going to take the charges. All, all the people have come up to be key right. in some type of form. So it's still hard. So, like, you, to, you, I mean, to your point, they're not just one move away. Um, it's very few teams, I think, are one move away. And Portland isn't. I don't think they're one of them, but I honestly think they have if – you, if you get a big fish without giving up Dame, obviously, and even potentially without giving up Anthony Simons, then you kind of in play. I can dig that. And just like I said real quick, Miami Heat – of course, they have a chance to still make the playoffs as the AC. So we ain't got to go beyond there super long. But do you think them not making the playoffs will actually force them to start making real basketball decisions? Yes. <laughs> that's that's literally yes. Do you think that would force that? Do you think that would force they had to do that? You got to start making some decisions because they already paid Tyler Hero, right? Yep. They already Robinson paid Tyler. Bam was an all-star this yep. year. Jimmy. Yep. Pretty sure Kyle's still on his deal. Yeah, uh, I think he so. still got Duncan's deal, Matt yeah. Struess, and it's like Miami. He couldn't have came into the season thinking eight seed. Nope. So 
that's already not after being the one seed. Right. That's already kind of a defeat in itself. So you got to start making some moves. You got to make a real decision at point guard. Um, you got to make a real decision with these shooters. And you got to make real decisions with, with Bam and making him your real anchor of the team, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bam has to take that position also. And tonight's a good chance for him to do it too. Um, so I think it's going to be – he's going to have some tough tough questions to ask this summer mm. if uh, if they don't make the playoffs. But even still, I, I can't even just leave it on if they're not making the playoffs because they're going to be the AC and lose 4-1 to Milwaukee or get swept to Milwaukee. Like, are they beating the Bucks? Probably not. The Bucks are the one seed, right? Yeah, they yeah, need Bucks one, yeah, Bucks uh, one seed this year. Is, is Miami beating the Bucks? So no. it's like it's, it's kind of over. Anyway, you might you just want to lose. <laughs> <laughs> you might just want to lose. Man. Get it over with, right? I'm pretty sure Jimmy Butler ready to go home. All right, so over back to the Western Conference. So we talked about Sacramento, Golden State a little bit. Zach Levine, he can go to Portland to close to Seattle. Facts. Like I say, 4-5 matchup, we got Phoenix and L.A. Clippers. 2-7, we got Memphis and the L.A. Lakers. The Lakers did win that season series 2-1. to one. Mm-hmm. Me and you are both agreeing already, even without Paul George, this Phoenix and uh, L.A. Clippers matchup should be one of the best matchups in playoffs in at least the last 10 years. I think they said they got to go like six for Paul to play. Mm. Honestly, I think it's going to be at least six. I, mean, I don't know who's going to win, but yeah, at some point it's going to be tight. They're going to they gonna need Paul George to win. Absolutely. Without Paul George, they don't have Kawhi has been playing really well for a couple months now, but I don't think he's – Devin Booker's been hooping. And then you add Kate Like, Devin Booker had already started – because remember when they were losing, he was out. He was right. hurt, and you, you saw that effect, and he came back and – Started you know, chip away, chip away, chip away, and then you get KD. I don't think they the undefeated. I think they still undefeated. I think they ended the season undefeated with KD. Yeah, they didn't time. lose seven enough, so they didn't lose the game with him. The Clippers mm-hmm. supporting pass is really gonna have to step up, which they could. You know, you got Robert Covington, you got Marcus Powell, Morris just got cleared. Marcus Morris, uh, Zubac, uh, Eric Gordon, Terrence Mann, Westbrook. He, he been playing? Yeah, he, wow, he started a few that. times. Really? He, he's playing. He's Westbrook. Playing okay. Yeah, so they, they have a support. Sure. They, I actually feel like their supporting cast is better. Yeah. But the top talent on yeah, Phoenix KD, is better. Aiden, Chris Paul, Booker, Booker, yeah. Kobe plays. He, he's perfect with them. Amazing defense. Um, Shout out Georgia Tech. Um, then off the bench, you know, campaigns, good backup. Shannon. Shannon shooting the ball. Tory Craig in there somewhere. Right. Yeah. You know, you're going to get. A game, maybe two out of uh, ten. Uh, TJ Warren. Facts. Um, so, I think mm-hmm. Phoenix win that series in six. Mm-hmm. If Paul George is there, I would put it at seven. Mm-hmm. But uh, and I would give him. I mean, Clippers could win it though. But I, got, I, I think I've been saying for a while, Suns Bucks. Uh, I don't see anything different at the moment. No, I feel I definitely like. So I definitely have uh, Phoenix. Like I said, not because the Clippers have the deeper team, but I think once you get into the playoffs. Either Terrence Man or Bones is not going to play every night. Terrence Man is playing every night. Um, of course, you know, Westbrook, once you start shortening your rotation, I don't really feel like that depth really matters, especially once you're going against a team who has top-level talent, whereas KD can play 48 if he wants to or if he needs to. Devin Booker can play 48 if, he, if need be. Like, this is when you finish our against the games where your top-level players are playing 
unless you just win it by 20 in the playoffs. They playing 30, 35, 37 minutes a night. So a lot of that depth won't even matter. But Phoenix is, I think it's such, such a good place because like I say, they're coming, into the, they're coming into the playoffs healthy. Not only are they healthy, but they've been playing really good basketball. So there's really good chemistry going on with the team. So of course, after how they got put out last year in the second round, you definitely know they want to come back and go, you know, go crazy in the playoffs, adding KD, which has a whole, which has a whole other element to them offensively and defensively. He got DeAndre Aiden dunking. I ain't never seen DeAndre Aiden dunk this much, not even in college. That's an amazing feeling. I just don't know if the Clippers front court outside of Kawhi will be able to do anything with KD or DeAndre Aiden to tell the truth. Like, it's going to be a lot of times where Zubak or Payson Plumlee is probably going to get stuck on the wing against him. And that's just not a recipe for that's a recipe for disaster if you ask me. Well, it's gonna be cooked. It's gonna be cooked. And like I say, looking at the Clippers and Memphis series, like I say, the Lakers won. Excuse me, not Clippers, but the Lakers and Memphis series. The Lakers won at two one. We seen the Grizzlies go to the second round last year, then put out by Golden State, the eventual NBA champions. Eighty had a great. Eighty's been great down the stretch. He had a great game in that playing game against Minnesota to help them get here. Brian has seen to be in a rhythm. D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, you know the supporting cast already. I ain't gonna keep naming all the players every time. What does Memphis? How much does Memphis need? Not not even just to win the series, but to win this series convincingly. To keep the narrative, to to even to give themselves that momentum that they need to push past the second round this year, go to the conference finals, and even maybe break through for that first Memphis first franchise appearance in the finals. Yeah, they struggle against the Lakers. It's definitely going to have you second-guessing how far they can go in the playoffs. Lakers have a solid team. It won't be easy, but I think the Grizzlies should beat them in six. All right. And I think, but I think Steven Adams is going to miss most of the playoffs, though. Yeah, I think he's out the whole playoffs. Playoff, so, right. you got that's what I'm going to say. So, that that's going to take Xavier Tillman and, you know, Jaron Jackson's a lot of people's defensive player of the year picks. He's going to have to really, really show it in this because – you're down Steven Adams, and you're down Brandon Clark also. So um, that's a lot more minutes on you at the four and the five. And AD has been – he was hooping, he was hooping, then he got hurt. He came back, he started hooping again. I think what's key for the Lakers is going to be to play through AD also because LeBron did catch a rhythm last few games, but it always comes at the expense of KD. Like, I mean, AD, he, he always takes, like, way more shots than him. And, they better when they play through Anthony Davis. You need LeBron to take it home, to close it out. That's why I wish he was just playing point guard for them, but shout out to D'Angelo Russell. But you gotta play through Anthony Davis. He's your best player. And he can put the most pressure on Memphis being down a couple bigs because mm-hmm. if uh, Xavier Tillman and, or Jaron Jackson, who's known for being in foul troubles, Gets in foul trouble. I don't even know who the big that's coming off the bench will be. AD. Who? Riley McKinney. And well, AD going be better. But and that was see that was my next question. That boy on <laughs> That was my next question because AD clearly is the best player out of all the rotational big men between both teams. But do you think the Lakers do have enough front court help to help out AD down there with Wayne Gabriel, uh, Mo Bamba? Who else they got down there? Yeah, because Memphis don't got a threat offensively. Okay. Honestly, I that. you're not scared of them on the offensive end. I respect. Jaron Jackson, he he averages like 16, 17 a game, but I'm not scared of him going off for of 30 or nothing like that. 
So he gonna get enough problems just trying to score on AD. Like I don't think he's gonna get AD in foul trouble or nothing like that. So I think they survive on the offensive end. Oh, that's real. I can respect that. Ain't got follow ups there. But looking at the last two seeds, I guess they're both the number one seeds. Both sides who are waiting on their number eight matchups. The Denver Nuggets in the West and the Milwaukee Bucks in the East. Clear it's the playoffs. There, there aren't necessarily any easy matchups. But coming off, they're gonna have some rest because they're waiting on that on that playing on the playing to finish. Do you think either AC to give them prop give one seed prop whoever's the AC whether that's the Minnesota or OKC? Miami, Chicago. Do you think they give either number one seed any problems? Wait, it, like, either conference? Yeah, either conference. Like not even, not just oh, it's gonna be a tough series. They fighting the claw, but do you think either AC can win a game? Like OKC, okay, okay. like I really don't give Miami a chance against the Bucks. The Bucks know them. They've played them. Right. I feel like they're gonna get rid of them. OKC, <laughs> if they win, and and then you got the Bulls. Right. That's a division four. Yeah. You ain't worried about them. Smacking them. Get them out of there. Minnesota, they they I, I think the West gives Denver more of a chance. I'm not trying to pick on Denver. But Minnesota has the size, Pauls. You got Cat and Rudy Gobert, so at least you could throw that at Pauls at Jokic. And um you can handle that situation. Anthony Edwards, dynamic scoring on the wing, and things like that. Okay, see, when you just got like a certified bucket and Shay, I could just see him winning the game. Right, for sure. Okay, see, one likely gets swept. My Minnesota series probably is like four to six. Like, you probably sweep OKC, and it's like a combined 18 points over four games that you won by. And you would beat Minnesota in six, but by a bigger margin because you blow them out a couple games or whatever. So, I think the West could be tougher. I just think the East, like, I don't believe in Miami or Chicago at all, even though shout out to Zach Levine. A lot of people was talking a lot of trash about him earlier in the year, especially when the Bulls are struggling. And I'm not the Zach Levine defender or the biggest fan, but I respect his game. I respect him as an all-star, multiple-time all-star, but he took a lot of flack earlier in the year, and he carried Chicago to that win the other night. And that's where it's like, you could be accountable, hold players accountable, tell them to get better, but some people just go way out the deep end with saying how these players are terrible and they trash and like they ain't did nothing in the league. And Zach Levine is who he is, and that ain't to say that he can't get better in certain positions. But he was struggling shooting a little bit and he was trying to find, you know, find the rhythm. And that's okay. I think he's earned the right to do that. Uh, from what he's shown us in the league. And I know it's tough because he was down Alonzo and they was losing, but people just acting like he was, like, one of the worst shooting guards in the league and <laughs> stuff like that, the worst all-star in the league. I know he didn't make it this year, but he's been an all-star twice. And uh, Zach is a solid player. He's good at what he does, and he can – he just showed us tonight what, how he could be great. And people – you, you you hold players accountable, but then give them a chance to evolve. And they got him early in the year because he was shooting too much, pull up jump shots. And, not, and some of that's just because he was shooting badly. So it's like I'm trying to get myself in rhythm. And I know it just sounds like, hey, just move the ball. But it's like, you know, my team needs my scoring. But it wasn't just his scoring. It was how he was, like, handling the ball, passing it, putting people in position. He really helped them win the game. So salute to Zach Levine. Sure. Um, I think he deserves some big credit for that game the other day. But that said, I don't think the Bulls stand a chance against the Bucks, and neither does Miami. I think the Bulls have a better chance than Miami. I think Miami 
They don't even want to be here no more. This is the time they get ready for, right? No, I'm we, sure. Who we, we getting ready as an eight seed? But other than that, so we're to get ready to get out of here. A few newcomers in the NBA playoffs this year, uh, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, uh, what's my guy named, De'Aaron Fox. Is there anybody else, any other newcomers this year playoffs? No, I don't think so. But between some, oh, Shea. Shea. Shea has a chance potentially as AFC um, with OKC. It seems like it's a lot of guards because that's, of course, that's what time we're in the NBA, which is goes. Everybody trying to figure out why the pace, you know, why is pace so crazy in the NBA? All the best, most of the best players have got the ball in their hand. They pushing the ball. That's part of it. But with all some of those newcomers, who do you expect to have a really good game one? Not necessarily a whole entire series or playoffs, but just a good game one come out out the gate. I think mainly De'Aaron Fox playing at home. Yeah. Sacramento's crowd is gonna be great. Mm-hmm. Want to show up against Steph, mm-hmm. clutch player of the year. Mm-hmm. It's time to show it. So I'm going De'Aaron Fox. I won't be surprised to see him with a big first game, 30 to 35 points. That's right. Uh, especially if you want to send a message to Golden State, like, yeah, y'all experience, y'all the defending champion, we the new guys, but we're not going down easy. So De'Aaron Fox for sure. No, De'Aaron Fox is definitely a good pick. I was going with Darius Garland. Kind of he don't fold in them games either. No, that's he true. don't fold. That's what everybody going to learn. Like I'm kind of going Darius Garland for almost the same reason. Playing at home, he can go. He can go off for of thirty on. He can go off for of thirty and ten in the first game, and I wouldn't be surprised. But I think Darius Garland's gonna fit right in in the playoffs. Like I say, I think just think his skill set is made for the playoffs. But other than that, you got anything else? Uh, other than oh my that, man, just real quick, Miles Bridges of the Charlotte Hornets, formerly of the Charlotte Hornets, has been suspended for thirty games. Got that. When like, he went out racist, man? Nah. NBA ain't like the NFL. They can wait for you to go to trial first. Oh, I guess, okay. went, I guess he went to trial. I don't know. But he was suspended for 30 games. That was the news this day, today. But, like I said, you got anything else after that? Um, Other than that, got a shout out to Leah Boston. Number one. Came number pick. one pick in Blue the WNBA draft. Salute to her. I think she's going to have a good year. I think she's going to have a great year, actually. Uh, so, salute to her. Uh, shout out to our pick in the WNBA draft, the Atlanta Dream, because I claimed the Dream, not the Hawks. Uh, we got Haley Jones out of Stanford. Shout out to her, Lacey. Hooper. Big hair. I'm definitely hair. sitting courtside this year watching her. And Ryan, Ryan getting the buckets, and she she like Scottie Pippen out there. Like, she, she Lamar Odom out there. Haley Jones is nice. Like, she can really hoop. I can't wait to see her play uh, this year. Uh, other than that, uh, just as always, appreciate everyone that supports the pod. Uh, they can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Apple, Spotify are the main places, but all those other places are cool as well. Uh, make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Search the Hoover's Pod. Follow on Twitter at Hoover's Pod. Shout out to Off the Ball Network. It's NBA playoffs. That's all I got. All right, before we get out of here, my bad, y'all, because I'm just saying this. The NBA, NBA just put this out. But we got some awards finalists. Uh oh. We going to do our award show this year? Uh, we got time. Why not? All right, bet. So, Clutch Player of the Year finalists. <laughs> so, your Clutch Player of the Year finalists are Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat. DeVarta Rose of the Chicago Bulls at De'Aaron Fox of the Sacramento Kings. 
two of those players are in the play and playing each other. <laughs> you should just put Kyrie on that. <laughs> Your 2023 head coach, uh, coach of the year finalist, uh, Mark Dalnaut, OKC head OKC. coach, yeah, Mike Brown of Sacramento Kings, Joe Mazzula for the Boston Celtics. I can't, I ain't gonna lie, that name's crazy. I don't know why. I can pronounce Giannis Antetokounmpo, but I can't pronounce that. Six men. Wait, let me see. Who is the uh, OKC head coach? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to call him. <laughs> I, I can't say what I was about to call him. Never mind. <laughs> Moving on. OKC's head coach. <laughs> okay, the sixth man of the year. We got Malcolm Brogdon of the Boston Celtics, Emmanuel Quickly of the New York Knicks, and Bobby Portis of the Milwaukee Bucks. Figured that would be it. Defense. All of these have been accepted. Clutch. Clutch player of the year. That's crazy. They could, I guess you, can't, you couldn't put Kyrie and Luka in because they're not in the playoffs. You got Jimmy the man put Kyrie in. No, I'm Defensive player of the year, you got Robin Lopez. Excuse me. You got Brooke Lopez from the Milwaukee Bucks, Jared Jackson Jr. from the Memphis Grizzlies, and Evan Mobley for the Cleveland Cleveland Cavaliers. I figured that was going to be the finalist, final three. Rookie of the year finalist, Paolo Banchero, Jalen Williams, and Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler's only on there because he got one vote. Paolo. I do not like that Benedict Mathurin didn't make the top three when he was literally the second best rookie all year. All year. He was literally the second best rookie all the, year. The what? analytical numbers say that Walker Kessler was good and then everybody liked Jalen because he had a good last month of the season. Man, Benedict Ben was the – stop playing, man. That's why he should have started. I blame that on Rick Carlisle. And your 2023 NBA MVP finalist again for a third year in a row. Nikolai Jokic from the Denver Nuggets, Joel Embiid from the Philadelphia 76ers, Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Milwaukee Bucks. I think we all figured it would be those three. Yep. And your most improved players for the year finalists, Jalen Brunson, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and Laurie Marketing of the Utah Jazz. My pick is Shea, but only one of them boy was an all-star starter. That's all I'm going to say. You mm. need that guy from Finland that's about to go to the Army. But Shea should win. Nah, for sure. He's going to be all NBA. First team, probably. Good chance to be first team. All right. So, with that being said, I'm John W. Fresh X. And we are the Hoopers. Peace out, players.